Revelation chapter 2. It's my privilege to follow up after the uh, study on Ephesians last week. And uh, we want to just refresh ourselves just a moment and remind ourselves that when we looked at the church, we saw seven commendations and one condemnation of the church. And that was what? That's a question. You have left your what? First love. And that's real challenging because sometimes if we're not careful, that can happen no matter what we're doing or how much we're in church or whatever. We have to be guarded against that. I think it's a real reminder to us. And the Lord spoke to them also and said, you left your first love and they were commanded to do some things. One was they were to remember where they had come from, how they had loved him before. Then they were challenged to repent of that mindset that they had and to return to the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ, lest, he said, I come and your lampstand be removed. Literally, that picture removed is of judgment, of judgment, literally to cease to exist. So in our journey through the seven churches, we now look at Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And when you look at Smyrna, I want to give you just a little backdrop on it. It was literally uh, destroyed by the Lydians about 600 B.C., and it lay in ruins for more than three centuries until two of Alexander's great successors rebuilt it somewhere around 290 B.C. A noted center for science, medicine, a port city. It exists even today in the Turkish area, the city of Izmir, and some 200,000 population. So of all the churches that were there that we're going to be studying, this is the only one, the only city that is still exist within what it was then. It's different now because of the, where we live, but it still exists and the rest of them are not. So when we look at verse 8, we're just going to kind of unpack this as we go. Beginning in verse 8, he says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the word to the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty. We'll stop right there just for a second. When you look at the word angel, Pastor David brought this out last week, it's really the word is angelos and it's messenger. And something intriguing about it to me is that it's normally or always just about, and I would, I would go ahead and say 100%, that it's masculine in its gender when you look at the word. And so he says to the angel of the church, the pastor most likely, that is my certain take on it, and most people that I read after and study uh, see the same thing. He says the word to the first and the last who died and came to life. Very interesting statement. And the first thing I want you to see in that verse is the testimony. The testimony. Jesus, the one who has always been. Think about that statement. He has always been. He did not just come into life when he was born. He is eternal, always has been, always will be. He is eternal, therefore the beginning and the end of all things. He says the word to the first and the last who died and came to life was dead, is one translation, was dead. Literally, the word means became dead. He became dead. This is a picture of the crucifixion for us and has come to life. Literally, the word means to spring to life. It is a picture of his resurrection as he came out from the grave, victorious over death and sin. And so we understand that that has also happened to us. 
If you understand Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, You were once dead in your trespasses and sin, but God, what? Being rich in mercy, rich in mercy, raised you up out from among the dead and seated you in the heavenly places. Well, thank you. Somebody ought to say amen that you're seated in the heavenly places. It's not somewhere, listen, it's not somewhere where you're going to be seated. It's somewhere you are seated. The Lord Jesus Christ sees you positionally already in heaven based on this work of Christ. It's so important that we be refreshed in that. Some, the same thing occurs, as I said in Ephesians 2, 6, upon belief this happens. When you put your faith and your trust and repent of your sin into the Lord Jesus Christ, the Scripture literally says He raised you up out from the dead. It is a, literally an out-resurrection. Before I became a Christian, I was living among the dead. Would you agree with that? I'm living among the dead. Once I become a Christian, I'm a living among the living. So what we want to do is not that we don't get involved with the dead and we don't seek to reach those who are spiritually without life, but we are to live life victoriously as we spend time with people who have life and we grow in one another and we encourage one another in life. We come out of that resurrection, what we happens is we come to real life. People somewhat think they have life, and I've known many who have come to know Christ because of a certain background and where they were and the difficulties of life, and when they come to Christ, they realize what life really is. It's full, it's glorious, it's abundant, it's worth living, amen? So we need to understand the testimony that Christ has given. The second thing I want you to see is in verse 9, and we see here, the tribulation. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, parentheses, but you are rich. You need to underline that. But you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, this devil is about to throw some of you into prison. So we see the tribulation. He says again, he knows. He said that in Ephesians. I mean, he says that in Ephesians, and he says that here about the churches. I know you. Literally, the word could be read, I see you. I see what's going on in your life. Listen to me very carefully. It is, it is encouraging to me to know that God knows everything going on about me in my life, more so than I do. He understands it. He sees it. Nothing catches him by surprise. Amen? It does us sometimes, but never, never him. The tribulation, the word can translate affliction, distress, or pressure. And these people at Smyrna were under a great pressure. Pressure that we, hopefully, will never encounter. But I will hasten to say we could. The interesting thing is where is the pressure coming from? He knows the problem they face, nothing that is all in detail. If you look at John 16, 33, it says he knows everything there is to know. He, he, nothing bypasses him. Smyrna was once fully given to Rome. In other words, what I'm saying is they built a temple where Rome was worshiped. Literally, Rome was their God. They worshiped God, uh, Rome in the temple, not God. It was also the leading city for emperor worship. If these people at Smyrna had so chosen, they could have said, okay, we'll say Caesar is Lord, 
and we'll say Jesus is Lord. And that would have been okay with everybody except one person, God. Because see, as Pastor David has said before, if we don't get the things right about Jesus, nothing else is right. And these people had it understood. They knew it. And so when we look at this, we see that trouble came to these Christians when they would not worship the emperor or offer sacrifice or participate in pagan religions. They wouldn't do it. This church, I want you to hear this statement, this church was a thorn in the flesh of the city. It was a thorn in the flesh of the city. Why? Because it was living the Christ life no matter what persecutions came against them. No matter how hard life was, no matter how difficult it was, they still stayed the course. We need to have that resolve. We need to have that. In, in, there's an old song that says, in times like these, we need an anchor. We need to be sure, very sure, that that anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Folks, we need to be sure that it's, our lives are anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ because we do not know what kind of times may be coming one day to our, our country in which we live. Not being a prophet of doom, I'm just dealing with reality. Because everything spins that way as far as what I can see. Smyrna had a smorgasbord of gods. I mean, they had just like some places today you can go and buy your god in a store and you can do that. These people had all kinds of gods and it was led by Sibylla, the mother of all gods. The church at Smyrna rejected all pagan gods. Interesting about that. And they worshiped the one and only true God, Jehovah. But because they did that, because their God was invisible by the Jewish people, their own race, probably some of their own kin, they called them atheists. They were called atheists. Go see, what I'm saying to you is the trouble for the church was coming from their own kind, other than they were not believers. It was coming from without, but not within at that particular time interesting what was happening. The unbelieving Jews, the scripture says here, I know your tribulation and your power, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is going to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days. They blasphemed. Literally, they were blaspheming these believers. And the word blaspheme means to evil speaking. It's a railing and slander against them. Everything you can imagine was be saying, you know, how would you feel if someone called you an atheist because you believed in the unseen God? That's what was happening in the lives of these people. They were even calling them cannibals. Why would they do that? Because of the Lord's Supper. Because of the Lord's Supper. They were cannibalistic because of that. So everything you can imagine was happening regarding tribulation in the lives of this church at Smyrna. But yet they were doing something, and we'll find that in just a moment. Their poverty came. The Scripture says, if you go back and look in verse 9, you are in your poverty, but you are what? Rich. See, what the world sees as riches is really not. Because you can have all the riches that the world offers and not have Christ in a relationship with God the Father, and you're living in poverty. 
And that's exactly what he's saying. That's what's being said here right now. You are in poverty, but you are rich. And what made them poor? Now listen to him very carefully. May say something here that gets me in trouble. Why are they poor? Their faith. Now, folks, I want to tell you what, there's a bunch of churches where that won't preach. Won't preach. Your faith makes you poor? That's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. By faith, poverty came to them because their faith was in Christ, not in a system. Makes all the difference for us. So they could, these people couldn't, they couldn't even get work, they couldn't get a job. Because they were hated and despised and maligned by the fellow man because of their convictions in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I will hasten to tell you, I am grateful that I've never had to experience anything like that. But may I say to you, I pray to the Lord tonight that I will be ready if it happens. God, help me now to anchor in you that I will not waver when difficulty comes. To be faithful regardless of what's transpiring. Smyrna was literally was fully given to Rome. That's what the amazing thing about it is. They were fully given to it, but yet the Christians were not. They were not given to the system. We live in a time to where the system is very important to a lot of people and folks are trying to fix it and it seems like the more that they fix it, the more the trouble we get in. What we need to do, from my perspective as the old guy on staff, we live for Christ. We live for Christ. We live to serve the church and to serve the Lord Jesus through it. We don't worry about what the politics are doing and what Washington's doing. We live for Christ. For the church to rise up and be what it needs to be and reach people who need Christ. That's our banner we have to wave. Nothing else really matters. I want to tell you, I don't worry about me. I don't even think about me. I concern myself with my grandchildren. Is our world headed to where Smyrna was? I grieve over that because of my kids, my Ashley and Morgan, Brent and Holly Johnson's girls, and my little ones that live in Waco. Hey, I grew up in the oil patches of West Texas. I've driven a truck three years in my life and spent three years and five months and one day in the military. I think I can handle just about anything that comes along. But my kids haven't seen what I've seen. I've seen hard times. Some of you have seen hard times. It's a tough thing when the wrecker pulls up in your driveway when you're a kid and somebody tows off your car and you ask why. There's one reason for that. You can't make the payment because the rigs aren't running. You have to move out of your house because the rent's three months past due. Been there, done that. I don't want to see my kids to have to, but you know what? If they do, my God is able. He is sufficient for them as he's sufficient for me. I just want to protect my children, my grandkids. That's what I want to do. Then the thing, the testing, verse 10, look at it. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown. 
No, back up, back up with me, verse 10. Do not, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into, into prison. Now, that's not the counsel I want to hear. Is it you? Hey, Ed, uh, I walk into the office one morning and Jonathan walks up to me and says, Hey, Ed, you're going to jail today. Hey, I'd rather have a cup of coffee. Thank you. I don't want to do that. But here's what they're saying. They're saying this very thing, and you're going to be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Now, let me say one thing about that passage. Don't get hung up on the 10 days because it really doesn't mean anything. It just really means there's going to be a short time, very difficult time, but a very hard time, though it's going to be short, of suffering and difficulty for these people. It don't take long to get all the suffering you want, especially when it's by your friends and kinsmen. And that's exactly where we are in this passage. Look at it. That you may be tested for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Doesn't say you might, says you shall, you will. Then he says something, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. What is the crown of life? Oh, you ready for some really good news? It is the victor's crown. It's not a garland. It's eternal life. That's the crowning glory for the Christian. That you will step into the arena of the Lord Jesus Christ one day and live for him forever. As was said on Sunday, you're not going to pick on a harp somewhere and go around the heaven blowing a bugle. You're going to work. You're going to work. You're going to serve. You're going to love. You're going to care. I, I give you, let me give you a good book. This is free. By John MacArthur, The Glory of Heaven. You want to know more of heaven than you've ever known. It's the greatest book I've ever read on heaven. The Glory of Heaven. It is absolutely marvelous. And you know what? Smyrna, the people there, they had this faith. They had this faithfulness because they understood that Smyrna was not their home. Their home was kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Look, if you would, at 1 Peter right quick. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. The Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because he cares for you. Stop right there. Anxiety sometimes involves worry. Would you agree with that? Can I tell y'all what worry is? It's sin. Simple. Can I give you a definition of, of what that is? What worry is? It's assuming an unassigned responsibility. So why would you say that? Because nowhere in Scripture does it say, go ye therefore and worry. Does it? No, it doesn't say that. We trust in him. We lean on him. And watch what he says. He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be stable. Be steadfast. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by their brotherhood throughout the world. What does he mean when he says in that passage, when he talks about 
after you suffered a little while, and he talks, then the next, what I want you to see is after you suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's going to establish you. He's going to restore you after the suffering may be for just a little while. The concept here is the anxiety is we put on him. And when we're resting in him, when we're trusting in him, as these people were at Smyrna, we'll not be worried. We'll not be anxious. Be anxious for nothing but prayer and supplication. Make your request known to the Lord. And he'll guard your heart with a peace that surpasses all comprehension. Well, let's finish this. Knowing, listen, knowing glory awaits the believer is what presses him on. Glory awaits you. The glory of heaven. And we can't wrap our arms around that, but that's exactly what awaits us. Last thing, the triumph in verse 11. The triumph. He says, he, he who has an ear, let him hear. Same thing he said last week. What's he saying to us? Listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to the words. One thing I've learned over these few years of doing what I do, people can hear you without listening to you. Do you agree with that? Now, when I was going to school, I was hearing the teacher, Mr. Blevins in civics, for example, but I wasn't listening to Mr. Blevins because I didn't give a rip about civics. I was interested in three things. My 57 Chevrolet, baseball, and my lovely wife who's sitting right back here who was my girlfriend. That's all I cared about. That was it. I'm just grateful the Lord had a better plan than I did. The triumph, look at it. Let him have his ear, hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. The one who conquers, that's you. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The word second death is literally lake of fire. Lake of fire. You'll not be hurt by that. But what will happen? Listen, you will not be hurt by the second death. And literally, he says, and be faithful, because that's going to be the case, keep on being faithful. It's a present tense thing. Keep on being faithful forever and ever. Why? The key to their triumph was their faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were hearing and they were obeying. They were doing what had been spoken to them. We, all of us in this room, if we're believers, we have something wonderfully in common. We are overcomers. We are overcomers. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 states that to us. We have overcome. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He may cause me trouble, but he can't separate me from the love of the Father. Amen. He can't do it. Listen, as we close. No second death. No falling back. No judicial judgment due to his glorious victory over the assaults of Satan, which happened from the birth to the cross. Jesus Christ, your Savior, was under assault from the beginning to the end, under assault, constantly, over and over again. Smyrna, 
was rich with love for Christ and others. We've been talking about that a lot and hearing it through Ephesians even, that we're loving others, loving Christ and loving others. He loves us, we may love him, that we may in what? Love others. Who do you love? Have you ever found, Smokey, that there's some folks that harder to love than others? No? No, I have. And I may have said this to you before, but one of those others is me. I know that. Some people have a tough time with that. But that's okay. We're all different. But my point is simply this, that, that we have a life to live. We are, we're rich in love for Christ, and we need to live that. To other. We need to learn and yearn and long to be rich in prayer, rich in praise, rich in love, rich in Bible study as we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey and wherever I am in mine, each one of us have the opportunity to move forward in that. To move a little higher up that spiritual ladder, to use that term. To become more of what God wants you to be. And for that to happen, we have to grow in grace. And we can't flee every time something difficult comes. Through my ministry life, and I'm sure Pastor David and any others in the room that's pastor have seen this, sometimes when it comes trouble, when difficulty comes, people have a tendency to draw away from the Lord rather than draw nigh to Him. Can I tell you something tonight? If I'm in trouble, I want to have coffee with Jerry. If I'm really in trouble, I want to have coffee with David. See, when you get in trouble, when you have heartache, when you have pain, when something goes wrong in your life, don't flee the church. Stay the course. People here love you. We're here to help you and assist you. As we love on one another, the world will see that and they will want some of what we have. Don't you think? It's not about just doing it here, but it's about doing it out there where we meet them. Maybe one of these days I'll get a chance to share with you. I've, I've met some really interesting people since I've been here, as I've been out doing the work of ministry and memory care in various places. And some of them are the people who work there. And can I tell you something about those guys? They're special. Those people are special. I can't do that. I couldn't do that. But someone does it. You know why? Because it's evident in my life as I see these people, they love these people. And some of these people that I see, I don't mean this unkind, they, they, they do not know that anybody loves them except they know somebody is touching them and helping them and making life better for them in that moment in time. Somebody out there tomorrow needs you to touch their life, to encourage them. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's Word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.